A just-issued Supreme Court ruling could make it much harder for companies to prevent their products from being resold at a discount. The issue for the court was whether patent holders give up their patent rights when they sell an item. The court's answer? A resounding yes. The ruling came in a case involving those printer cartridges that often cost almost as much as the printer itself. With us to help understand the ruling and what it might mean in the marketplace are Robin Feldman. She is the director of, of the Institute for Innovation Law at UC Hastings Law School. She filed a brief that urged the court to reach the result that it did. And Gregory Dolan, he's co-director of the Center for Medicine and Law at the University of Baltimore. He filed a brief urging the court to rule the other way. Thanks uh, to both of you for joining us. Greg, before we get into all the important legal questions in this case, can you just explain to us who was involved in, in the case and what the dispute between the two companies was? Sure. Um, there are t um, the case involved two companies, both involved in making printer cartridges. Uh, the plaintiff, Lexmark, they make printer cartridges that many people use in their printers to um, print documents. And um, as many people know, these cartridges have ink or other materials that, you know, eventually cartridges run out and they can be, you can either replace the whole cartridge or you can refill the old one and, um, you know, reuse it. And the issue in this case was whether or not um, these cartridges could be refilled. Lexmark had two ways of selling their initial cartridges. They either sold it to their customers at full price, thus, and then customers could do with them what they wanted. They could throw them out. They could refill, whatever. Or they sold them at a significant discount, at about 20% discount, on a condition that they will not be refilled and that instead the cartridges spent cartridge will be sent back to Lexmark. Uh, impression products, the defendant in this case, took these old cartridges, both the ones that were sold in the United States and the ones that were sold abroad, whether or not they were under the first or second program, and refilled them and then sold them, obviously, for cheaper than their original manufacturer. And that was a dispute, whether or not doing so violates Lexmark's patents. And, Robin, how did the Supreme Court come to its decision? Today is a big win for free enterprise, which is reflected in the language throughout the Supreme Court. Under patent exhaustion, when a product is sold, the patent right ends. In other words, if I buy a hammer, I should be able to hit any nail I want or resell it to anyone I want. Anything else creates bottlenecks in the flow of commerce and it gums up the system. The Supreme Court decision spoke in terms of an auto repair shop in a way that should make sense to all consumers. If a car owner drives into the shop, the repair should be able to fix the car and not have to worry about invisible restrictions that might exist on each tiny component of the car. The Supreme Court said patent system doesn't work that way. When you sell an item, that's the end of the patent rights. Greg, based on the brief you filed, I'm, I'm going to guess that you don't agree with that reasoning. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm right, what, what is it the court said that's wrong? Well, I, I, I don't want to sort of go... Too, too far uh, in, in my disagreement. I think Robin is right in part in a sense that there's certainly a huge value and there's certainly this background notion once you sell your patented product, that product should be able to move in a, in a stream of commerce downstream. And I shouldn't have to, you know, when I buy a used car, as this case may be, I shouldn't have to go and try to figure out whether each and every one of those components you know, what is their patent status? That makes sense. And so I agree with Robin on this point. The issue, though, is whether or not it also makes sense to have these kind of dual tracks, meaning that the people who bought 
the, the cartridges with significant discount, whether or not it makes sense to offer the same product at multiple price levels in exchange for transferring a different set of rights. And for some people, it makes sense to pay for a full price uh, and get the right not just to use but to resell. But for others, it makes sense to pay less but not necessarily have a right to resell. And so since we're starting with a car analogy, uh, I would offer another one. It's the kind of difference between a buying of a car, and then you can do with it whatever you want. You can gift it, you can keep it, you can crash it, whatever you want to do with it, and leasing a car. where you certainly can use it, but you don't have full and unrestricted rights to resell. You have to return it to the dealership once the time is up. And I think that, and you pay different prices, and I think that's also a good way and a benefit to consumers to have both options. We are talking about a new Supreme Court ruling that says that once a company that has a patent sells a product, uh, the company has has used up its patent rights in that product and can't prevent a product from being resold. That's just out today. Our guests are Robin Feldman of the University of California's Hastings Law School and Gregory Dolan uh, of the University of Baltimore. Um, Robin, uh, a minute ago, Greg was, was essentially saying that this ruling will limit the flexibility that patent holding companies have. They won't be able to pre- pre- prevent, pre- provide consumers with the kinds of options that, uh, the, the, that Lexmark, the printer cartridge company, did in this case. What do you think about that? So the Supreme Court essentially said you, you don't get the higher price option. The higher price option is only when you are using patent rights when you're not supposed to. That That's what you're not allowed to do. Uh, you mentioned earlier, though, about a trend for this decision, and, and I completely agree. Today's decision is another loss for the Federal Circuit, which has become the Supreme Court's favorite whipping boy. This is now the third Federal Circuit case the Supreme Court has overturned this year, and they partially vacated a fourth. That's a trend we've seen for quite some time. So over the last five years, the Supreme Court has reversed the Federal Circuit 70% of the time, and that does not include when the justices affirmed the result but rejected the, the logic. The Federal Circuit is batting about a zero before the high court. And I think the message is clear. The high court, the Supreme Court, believes that the Federal Circuit has been overreaching on behalf of patent holders and has been dialing back on those types of decisions. Uh, Gregory, excuse me, let's go back to consumers for a moment because the companies make like, for example, Lexmark, they make most of their money off the cartridge sales. So is there anything to stop them from just putting out one cartridge at a higher price? I think that's exactly right. So I think I disagree with Robin again, uh, not, you know, uh, somewhat. I don't think Supreme Court said you don't get to charge a higher price. I think Supreme Court said you can charge once. Uh, and the implication of that, that you, most companies like Lexmark will end up charging the higher price, and they will basically do away with the uh, 20% discount on condition that people return the cartridge. So instead, people who, you know, whether they w- were willing to return the cartridge or not, now everybody's going to get charged a higher price. Uh, and ultimately, I think for people who used to pay the higher price anyways, I think they'll be indifferent. But for people who were very willing to pay the lower price in exchange for these restrictions, they're actually going to be worse off. Uh, and I think what's making matters worse is that not only did the Supreme Court say that this rule now applies within the United States, they also say that the same thing applies if 
the patentees of the product abroad. And that has some serious implications. So, for example, pharmaceuticals are sold at very different prices in the United States and abroad, especially if you think about third world countries. And if people now understand that there's other restrictions as to what you can and cannot import to the United States, nothing to do with patent law, but nonetheless, if people can buy drugs that are meant for third world countries for people who can't afford to pay a lot and instead paying those lower prices and instead bring them back to the United States and sell them here, ultimately, perhaps American consumers might be better off because they'll pay lower prices. But that means that people in third world countries will very much be robbed of the opportunity to get access to drugs at low cost because companies will no longer be able to price differentiate. And I think that's a problem. Robin, uh, let's talk about that, those international sales, because that was the subject of Justice Ginsburg's partial dissent. And, and, and part of the argument is, l look, when you're, when you're selling something abroad, you don't get to charge that higher price uh, that, 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 comes from, that, that comes from having a, a patent on something. So you're, you're perhaps charging at a lower price. And then if somebody turns around and brings it back into the United States, that's really going to undermine your sales without giving you any corresponding benefit. What's the response? Uh, sure. The pharmaceutical pricing area is one I've studied a lot and, and is very troubling. I'm, I'm sure most of your listeners have had sticker shock going to buy medication for themselves or their relatives. The prices of drugs in this country have skyrocketed in, in recent years. That has been less true in the international market. So U.S. customers are supporting super high prices here um, and paying for lower prices abroad. Now, I'm not sure that the prediction that prices will rise internationally on pharmaceuticals will hold true because lots of other companies have different type of payer systems, and pharmaceutical companies don't have the ability to charge those higher prices everywhere that they can here. I don't think we'll see that. But it would be interesting if the effect of the Supreme Court decision would be to see some disciplining of price in this country as they have gone so high. And Gregory, speaking about pharmaceutical products, is there more of a danger there with, or is there more hesitance to reuse certain things like devices, like cardiac catheters or things like that? Well, uh, again, so pharmaceuticals are an interesting, um, interesting issue because in addition to, of course, the patent rules, there are other FDA rules and other uh, regimes that may preclude reimportation. Um, and... Uh, there is, of course, so the backstop, as you mentioned, there may be fear of using or reusing some devices like catheters or pacemakers because of the potential for tort lawsuits. But there are, for example, uh, antiretroviral drugs that are being sold to combat AIDS in sub-Saharan Africa where people can't really afford to pay more than a dollar a day or two dollars a day. Whereas, But the way they're sold, the reason they're sold so cheaply there is, Robin is right, United States and Western world generally, U.S. a bit more, the rest of the Western world a bit less, subsidizes those drugs by paying higher prices here. And if we now are dealing with a doctrine of international exhaustion, uh, and when everybody, whether an American consumer or a, you know, some elite consumer, can buy a drug that pill for two dollars, what's going to happen? I think those two dollars are going to get reimported re back into the United States. We're going to have to leave it there, Greg. Thank you, Greg Dolan, Ro uh, Robin Feldman. Coming up, we're going to talk about fiduciary duties by investment advisors. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 